This is Olivia Buckley of Cherry Brook invites you to get this with Bert Newton and Tony Martin. Yes, I think I'll be riding in the sidecar today. Uh, Bert Newton is, well, he's almost into the building. He's mic'd up uh, down in the foyer at the moment, uh, punching out photographers, a scantily clad Veronica on each arm, refusing to get into the lift till his outrageous demands have been met, including uh, a huge fruit platter, 15 bottles of vodka and a pig on a spit. Sorry, Bert, am I, am I giving you too much sizzle? You're lying about the pig on the spit. I, I, don't, uh, I don't eat uh, pork. It's great to see you, Tony. <laughs> We're not allowed to talk in this bit anymore. I'm sorry. Oh, I beg your pardon. Well, I've, actually, I've got to get away pretty quickly. I'm, <laughs> I'm here down at Patterson Lakes Primary at uh, 10.30. I'm told you love Nickelback. I certainly do. And we're not going to disappoint you. Fair enough. But you... first, Dire Straits. Oh, okay. Goodbye. <laughs> That's Dire Straits with Money for Nothing. It's Get This on Triple M. Richard Marsland is uh, pushing buttons today. Good morning, Tony. And we're all, well... Down on our knees, worshipping at the altar of Bert Newton. Let's have a round. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you, ladies and gentlemen. Have you been on uh, Triple M before, Bert? I think I have, uh, but not for a while. I, I still think that is a ridiculous moment to have a song. I think you should be uh, <laughs> straight into the chat. Good on you, Bert. The yeah. clutter. Yes. Uh, hey, look, there's, you know, controversy, Channel 9 controversy on the front of the papers. I don't even know if we can talk about it in all states. There's various injunctions flying around. Yeah. Give me more information. Oh, somebody said that uh, somebody was going to be boned. Yeah. Uh, you That's how you usually get the job, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> You would have been boned a few times, wouldn't yeah. you? Have you been uh, sacked from every network? I have. No, I've I've been uh, well. I've I was uh, retrenched from Channel Nine about twenty five years ago. It took them twenty five years to realise their yeah. their folly. Uh, Channel Seven. I left of my own uh, volition there. First time around. Second time around, uh, parking spot was gone. Parking spot. It's yeah, always the key. It's always the one. If there's no parking spot there. And the smile is forced from the executive who you knocked into in the car park. You know that this Tuesday is not going to be a happy one. <laughs> we did when we did the pilots for the Late Show at nine. It wasn't going well, and we just came in one day. And I think uh, Bruce Samerson had my parking spot. You just find a new name. <laughs> it's That's my favourite parking. My favourite parking spot story is uh, in my first time at, at Channel Nine. I guess it'd be about nineteen sixty one, nineteen sixty two. I parked in somebody else's parking spot. Right. And I'd never used this spot before. I had no idea who it belonged to. And I got back that night, and there was this note on the windscreen wiper saying, I don't know who you are, but desist from parking here anymore. Do you realise just how you have spoiled my day? I have driven around the car park trying. This is my own personal car spot. And frankly, sir, you are a bastard. Uh, <clears throat> With love and blessings, Eric Pierce. Oh, that'd be right. He was foul mouth. Oh, yes. He was trouble. Once you took a car park spot from him, he was <laughs> out of it. And what's it like down there? I mean, people sharing parking spaces, people carpooling at Channel 9? Well, actually, uh, I quite, well, I've got one uh, of my own, and that's not shared. And it was a nice change because at, uh, at Channel 10, I use the bike rack. Uh, but <laughs> this little parking spot is, be and it's all mine, and it's next, right next door to people I've never heard of before. <laughs> I love how, uh, look, there's obviously, you know, dramas going on down there. We don't want to get into the ugliness of that. But uh, this is how they're promoting a show that's on tonight, Bert. Listen to this. Ever wanted to see what John Wood gets up to in his spare time? No, I think is the answer, really. No, I, I mean, I he's a lovely bloke. Yeah. But, um, no real desire. This is the wine and food thing, uh, isn't it, that <laughs> yeah. uh, that John is uh, What's is that doing? called? Uh, wine me, dine me. 
Oh, wind me, dine me. Channel yeah. nine me. Oh, yeah, that's right. Ex- yeah, well, he's doing, I think it's only a series of three or four. Right. Uh, but it was interesting to see, uh, you know, Tom Croydon wandering around the, uh, the Channel Nine <laughs> estate. I've got to say, in fairness to the, uh, the network, I mean, I know there's lots of stuff in the press and the whole deal. But in fairness, I mean, Eddie's been in the chair only a matter of months, we're yes. not talking years. And I just think it's, I think the whole of free-to-air television is entering an era mm. that is going to be the most difficult for it uh, in the history of, of television because, you know, pay television is, uh, is certainly kicking yes. in. Everyone's after the entertainment uh, dollar. And for the first 30 years or so, it was a license to print money. That's no one right. can deny that. I've got, where's our book about yeah. the history of TV? We're going to get to this later. But uh, there's a fantastic quote from Rupert Murdoch This is back in 1963, and he was doing a speech about what television in the future is going to be like. And he says, uh, imagine a chain of satellite transmitters beaming down happenings from all over the world into your television. They may even be recorded on automatic tape within the domestic set for playback if no one is viewing the set at that moment. No. 1963, could people imagine oh, God. The, the video recorder? No. Matter of fact, I was the first one to uh, to actually go on tape. Uh, really? On Channel 9 in 1961-62. Go through a speed camera? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I was... That was many years later. <laughs> I, uh, that particular experience uh, happened uh, on, a, on a children's pro Not a children's... A teenage program I did, which was called the Burt Newton Hi-Fi Club. And, <laughs> oh, it was very edgy in its day. Oh, I tell you what, I've got tape of it. It is shocking. I'm having, hi, fellow hi-fis. Welcome to the... Th- I mean, you would swear <laughs> the Graham was the straight one. I, 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 it was shocking. <laughs> well, that was all predicted by uh, Rupert Murdoch. Listen what? To what, what else he had to say? There may also be a time in the future where a tribe of idiots will be locked in a house full of cameras and forced to fight amongst themselves for the amusement of all, and the one known as hot dogs will be accorded the status of a god. Wow. Uh, they forecast a current affair, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Listen to this. There may also be a time way off in the future where Bert Newton will no longer be seen on television, although scientists say this is unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> Re- reference there to Mass at Home? Or <laughs> what was the... Could you be... You know, you could get into trouble a lot more easy. Back, well, back then? Back in the days. Oh, of, yes. Well, I, I, I started to tell you off air that suddenly realised that... Uh, was too good not to do it on air, and folks listening can be the judge of this. Uh, that I remember that uh, comedians on in Melbourne tonight with Graham and myself and the whole gang were allowed um, a certain number of bloodies uh, in sketches <laughs> right. because most of the sketches came from vaudeville, and the tag always included a bloody. So Joff Allen, who was, to my way of thinking, the nicest man I ever met in uh, in television, and a lovely comedian, he. You know, he, his influence on Graham and myself and everybody else, uh, it's pretty hard to, to estimate. And he was allowed one bloody uh, a week. <laughs> and on one Friday night sketch, he did uh, three. So he was hauled into the manager's office, Colin Bednall. And Colin Bednall said, you, you've said bloody three times. It's in my mind to sack you. And Joff said, no, it's okay. I'm going on holiday, so I thought I'd use him up. <laughs> Well, I mean, those were the you, know, you say vaudeville, the routines would end in bloody. Mm. I'm sure even in those days there would have been people in the front row going, oh, there's no need to say bloody. Oh, yes. What's wrong with Bloomin' or Blinkin'? Yes. And, of course, they don't... If you use Bloomin' or Blinkin' or whatever, it, it doesn't work. It's, it's got to be... There's a you know, sort of... Well, not so much now, but back then, it was a shock tactic, you yeah. know, and it added to the, uh, to the tag. It's getting harder to shock people. I think we have to go right back to the beginning and get back into Bloomin'. Bloody. Blooming. Kevin yeah. Blinken Wilson. Yeah. All right, Bert, we've lowered you down to our level. Yes. 
Let's get this program started. It's in excess with Afterglow on Get This here at Triple M, where our co-host is Bert Newton. And it's nice to be here too. Good on you. Hey Bert, what was that you were telling me about the ratings in television in the early days? It was just one bloke? There was a bloke at Channel 7 who had the job, whether it was official or unofficial, I can't remember, but he was given the job of going around. Early producers in, the, uh, in television believed that it was important to listen to viewers. Yes. And a lot of them came from radio, where they felt, from 3DB, which was the, the top station back then, had been for 40 years or something, listen to what the public are saying, you know, about the music you're playing and what you're saying on air, then in television, the programs that you're running. So his job... Brian, I think his name was. I hope he's not still living. I doubt very much when you hear the story. I think you'll agree. I don't think there's much chance he would be. But uh, his job was to go out, I think five days a week, and just check out the various pubs and clubs and restaurants and cafes and railway stations, uh, although he didn't spend much time there because they weren't licensed. But he'd come back at five o'clock each afternoon... And I've never seen a happier man. I don't know what the reports were like, but you a little bit down to Brighton. I tell you what, they're loving your show. They're loving your show. And then off he'd wander. And uh, I remember him saying to me one day, Bert, this is the best job I ever had. He said, no, I'm running late. I've got to, I've got to be at Molina's pub at 11 o'clock. <laughs> so in the this is what they had in lieu of the McNair-Anderson system. Yeah, in fairness, for the one bloke, one bloke, or uh, well, Channel Seven did anyway, and I don't think they shared whatever he discovered. I don't think they shared with the other uh, networks or network as it was then. Uh, but he, uh, that was his job, and he uh, enjoyed it. But I think that I think ratings, official ratings, came in about a year in. I remember when I was at Channel Seven, and I, I wasn't happy. I wanted to get to uh, to Channel Nine, and a, a great program manager. At, uh, at Channel 7, Colin Fraser wanted me to stay there, and he was the bloke who gave me my first break. And in many respects, uh, he's underrated in what he did for Melbourne Television. And uh, he said, look, Bert, he said, your show is going beautifully. He said, have a look at those ratings. And there was one night I'd had a, a very special guest artist on who was big at the time, and I did get big ratings, and I, I slaughtered Graham's in Melbourne tonight. Right. But he showed me the wrong night. Oh. And Graham was getting 45%. And I was getting something like 7%. Uh, uh, so I, oh, so I've shown you the wrong, wrong page. Uh, have a, uh, over here. And, and, and 47 But these are the days when you could get that kind of figure, though. Oh, there was a show on uh, on 7 that, that Colin put to air, a thing called the Hit Parade. They used to get 65s and, uh, and 70s. The Hit Parade. Now, what would be the equipment? Like, was there music that was, like, too edgy and dangerous to go to air in those days? Would people go, look, this latest Pat Boone. It's yeah. too fast. Well, People I, are breaking their legs. I can, rem- <laughs> I can remember three songs that were banned. One was Too Darn Hot, uh, which was from Kiss Me, Kate. Please, keep yeah. that language to yourself, yeah. Bert. And a thing called John and Mary, in which Stan Freeberg simply did John, Mary, John, Mary. Oh, John. And that was banned totally. Fruity. Yeah, and the other one was um, Always True to You in My Fashion, once again from Kiss Me, Kate. Cole Porter didn't have a lot of luck with that particular show <laughs> because it suggested that uh, that someone in a, a married situation was was being untrue. Oh, whereas now we have uh, I Like Your Pants Around Your Feet. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right, which is the opening theme now, I think, to Big Brother, isn't it? <laughs> I think it might be. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Pete Smith tells me, that in the early days of rock videos, he hosted a show where they'd just hold up a photograph of the band 
That's and right. display the record. Yeah. And then someone might shake the photograph a little bit. Yeah, just for tempo. <laughs> just to keep people interested. Well, this hit parade I'm telling you about, there was there was no live audio apart from the man who compared it in another studio because all the artists mimed too. Pat Boone and Perry Como oh, right, and Ben right, Crosby, right. yeah. To other people's records. Yeah. And uh, there was there was one bloke at uh, one stage of the game in audio at uh, Channel 7. I think he might have been related to uh, the bloke who used to do the surveys because he fancied a sip too. And uh, on two occasions that I can remember, he put the wrong side on. So <laughs> there is an artist there waiting uh, right. to do Are You Lonesome Tonight? And on comes... Uh, I've always treated you in my fashion, and he's like he's heard a, he's listening to a song he's never heard before. That's pretty much what to happened to Ashley Simpson on Saturday Night Live. Exactly, and he's playing the band. Nowadays, yeah. people have credibility, but they mime to their own music. Exactly. <laughs> Demis Roussos does, which was discovered some years ago at the Festival Hall. Uh, he had 7,000 Greek people <laughs> there on a Sunday night to enjoy his performance, and Demis was at the main mic, and he was singing away, and they were shouting and screaming, we love you, Demis, or whatever it is in in Greek, and that he moved to the piano to play the piano. Unfortunately, it started before he got there. Oh, there. And all of a sudden, you had 7,000 Greeks demanding their shackles back. And did you come out as Demis and save the day? I did, indeed, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just happened to have the caftan with me. You know, that live TV, the thing I miss about, uh, you know, there's very few shows on TV now where you can just have genuine mucking around. Yeah. You know, everything's locked down. Everything's mm-hmm. so organised. Yeah. You watch Australian Idol and you go, where's the shambolic disasterness of, you know, potluck from Adelaide <laughs> where people are just let in off the street, exactly. no auditions, who yeah. knows what might happen. Yeah. Well, I, I always say that, you know, I think it's perhaps uh, too homogenised. Yeah. Uh, because the one thing with a live Tonight Show particularly, or the sort of stuff that you guys have done uh, over the years, even if a show is not as good as you expected, there's a thought in your own mind as a viewer, the next one might be better. I mean, the best uh, in Melbourne tonight with Graham, they tell me, uh, in the early years, was the very first one. Right. The worst was the second show, because they'd thrown <laughs> everything into that first show. That's right. It was open-ended, and the first show went from 9.30 until 25 past 11. The second show went from 9.30 to 5 to 10. <laughs> <laughs> They're desperately trying to get that dog to take a dump again. <laughs> and the true story is, Eric Pierce used to be used to be back into his Aturak home, and he'd do the late news, and when he saw the wheel come up, the barrel... Uh, he'd know it was time to get in the car and drive in and read the late news. <laughs> and at 5 to 10, or 10 to 10, he sees the wheel come. He, he, he dropped the sherry and <laughs> jumped in the car, raced in and just got there panting because it was such an early show. Did, did the news in his smoking jacket? Oh, yes. look, there was a lot more smoking on TV too. That's what I love. Oh, yeah, you could see that, you know, the, the smoke wafting up from uh, behind the desk. And families being given cartons of cigarettes <laughs> as prizes. And when, you sh- when they take a shot of the audience, every woman is wearing a hat and uh, and every band has a collar and tie on. I mean, now you're lucky enough to find them wearing slacks. Oh, look, it's discouraged. No need for slacks. But I personally believe that any product, no matter how dodgy, can be successfully marketed if you do the voiceover. Oh, that's a nice thing to say. Do you want to help me prove that theory? Yeah, sure. We're going to put you to work. Okay, not a worry. That's going to be next. Get this. More sensible talk. For Mrs. Olivia Buckley of Cherry Brook on Triple M. Ah, yes, it's Triple M. It's Get This. And we are going to prove in the next few minutes that anything can be made to sound good with the addition of Bert Newton. But in the meantime, here's a treat for all those uh, fans of the, uh, the team we've been following at the World Cup, Togo. This is for the Otto Fister fans. 
Mr. That concludes our World Cup coverage for today. <laughs> Here and get this on Triple M. Bert Newton is co-hosting today. Bert, do you follow that World Cup? Do you understand it? Well, I I endeavour to. I suppose my interest is, has been heightened because of you know what's been happening in recent times. But I was one of those Australians who thought you know two all was a very low scoring game. Yes. Until you see the reaction. Of, well, that's uh, it. Yeah. That's it because see a lot of people uh, you know just don't understand or like soccer. And yeah. Here's a letter to the papers today uh, from the Melbourne Herald Sun. This is from Joanne Kane of Coburg, and she goes, "No matter how skilled a soccer team may be, it is the team with the best actors." and favourite of the referee that wins. What a boring game and what a bunch of pansies. The majority of shots for goal never look like going through and after a tap on the shin, they all fall down. Imagine watching replays of an AFL player missing a shot for goal. A miss is not a highlight, and yet in soccer, it is replayed again and again. Have a nice day, Joanne. So clearly those missed goals, tedious yes. television, what's that doing yeah. on there? Were you watching? I don't all? understand any of it, but... No. What about Australian rules football? None of it. It's like, to me, it's like dyslexia. If I watch a football game, I just think it's the same game being played again, yeah. but in different clothes. I mean, I love the enthusiasm of the supporters, yeah. and the players seem largely quite nice, yeah. um, but the game itself, baffling. Cricket? <laughs> What's that one? Is that yeah. the one with nothing happens <laughs> at all? Right, exactly. I like the World Poker Tour. Yeah. I don't oh, mind yeah. that because that is about acting. Yeah, sure. Exactly. That's, that's where exactly. you see some great acting. Yeah. Oh, you've missed out on so much, haven't you? I have. Yeah. But I've been, you know, I've been spending years... Uh, well, see, I listen to the commercials. I'll sit down and listen to a commercial break. On what a makes a good commercial? Well, the thing is, you've got to be convincing. That's what I think. And, you know, it doesn't matter how dodgy the product is. I believe if you sound convincing, you can sell anything. And my theory, well, I think we're going to try and prove this now, yeah. is that if you were to do the read for any product, it would sound appealing and sensible. 
Oh, that's a lovely compliment. No, I'll certainly give it a try. So I've been uh, down to the advertising department. I said, give me all the products, all the ideas and concepts that are just too hard to shift, and I'll see if I can get Bert to make them sound appealing. So we've queued up a few, uh, uh, you know, bits of backing music from sure. the, the KPM. That's important too, isn't it? The, the KPM music. collection. Yes. <laughs> Probably the same bits of music you've been using in the past. Yes, for the last 50 years, I would imagine. And we'll just try a few of these uh, reads out. So let's get started. There's never been a better time to visit East Timor. Yeah, no, I don't know okay. if that one's going to work. Uh, let's try something else. The team at Al-Qaeda are looking for enthusiastic young... No, maybe. I think that's probably not going to work at all. Here's another product that... uh, I don't know. See what you can do with this one. Perhaps you've never stopped to consider the benefits of a really high pair of jeans. I mean tight, grey, Brian Maddox-style acid wash with an elastic waist and very little in the way of testicular headroom. Like the pair I'm wearing right now. New Mannix cut high-waisted steel-belted tackle mashers from Not Quite Right. Now that's a poor cut of jeans. I want some. Don't you, Richard? Absolutely. That sounds great. All right, let's see what out we can move. Come on, here we go. There's never been a better time to plunge your head into a vat of steaming horse manure. I want to do it now. This sounds great. All right, let's see. Uh, Okay, we've got some trickier concepts here. Here we go. Why not leave a dead sheep carcass on your neighbour's porch? Now you can, and in record time, with GetGo overnight dead livestock deliveries. GetGo, the privilege is all ours. The stench and inconvenience is your problem. See, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. I want to leave a dead sheep's carcass on my neighbour's porch right now. All right, let's, uh, let's go on holiday. Come to a secluded paradise where time stands still, where you can sense the serenity, where the locals glow with pride. Come to Chernobyl. <laughs> I want to be there. Don't you, Richard? Absolutely. This sounds great. You know, lots of controversial ideas can be made to sound good with the addition of a bit of burst. There's never been a better time to drive home in a state of adult intoxication. Why bother with burdensome drink-driving laws when your own crazed, self-destructed logic is faster and more convenient? Remember, if you drink and drive, you're a bloody idiot. Uh, But you are home sooner, and it does save money on a cab. There you go. Controversial idea. Possibly not a good idea. But it sounded great. Okay. I don't know what this one is, Bert, but just take it away. I'm invincible. I'm paying money. Oh, the girl's happy. She's got no money. I got my rocks off. Oh, how good is this? I thought we were never going to have that again, Richard. How did that slip through the net? Uh, Now, Bert, I don't know what this is. This is something that uh, the program director wanted me to get you to do. Here we go. I like your pants around your feet. I like the dirt that's on your knees. No, I think, I... Okay, I think that's enough. Oh, okay. I think we've heard enough of that one. Let's get back to advertising concepts. At last, there's a quick no-fuss way to fling yourself from a moving vehicle. Hurtle headlong into harm's way and risk certain death. All for under twenty-nine ninety-five. That's a $70 value for just... 
$29.94. Call now and book your grisly demise. You know you want to. <laughs> Great. Well, I think there's just one more, so give it your best shot, Bert. Songlines is the remarkable new album from Daryl Summers. No, no, I'm sorry, Bert. There's some things that just nobody can make uh, convincing. Oh, well, I'd rather liked it, actually. He accompanies himself on the drums, too. Which is... <laughs> That's what I hear. We'll be back with more in a moment. That'll be the fray over my head brackets cable car here on Get This at Triple M, where Bert Newton is co-hosting this morning. Just talking about things going wrong on live TV. There's just not enough of that anymore, don't you think? Well, there's no live TV as such, is there? I suppose, apart from the uh, the news. Yeah, exactly. And there's very rarely, uh, you know, somebody copying it in the nuts on the news anymore. You just yeah. don't see it. I was watching that thing the other night, twenty to one, that you yeah. host, yep. and they had the twenty most embarrassing things on TV. And I was going, surely, as they got closer to number one, I'm going, surely, it's going to be the one with Bert and the yard glass drinking competition. Oh, you're right. I have to ask you about this, Bert. We went to Channel 9 to do what are always referred to as the ill-fated Late Show Pilots in uh, 1990, and I went down to the archives, funny little German bloke down there. Walter Ritter. And he was in, he just had everything, you know, up on a shelf. He knew where everything was. And there didn't seem to be a lot of interest in his work at Channel 9 mm-hmm. in the archiving. But I found this clip, and it was on the end of, like, the new, it was an old news bulletin, and you know when you fast forward something too much and there's something else on the end? Yeah. And it was a clip, which I was later told, when it went to air live, Kerry Packer called up and said every copy of that must be destroyed and it must never go to air again, and someone had obviously kept it. And that was the drinking thing? It was two blokes. Firstly, let's just talk about what the hell is that for a show? Yeah. Two blokes drinking yard glasses on TV. Well, the producer had... Uh, <laughs> I lost the show, by the way, as the result of that. That was on a oh, Monday really? night, and really? that was the, the last show. I, I had my own IMT for uh, you know, quite some years. And well, the, basically, the gentleman, one of the two blokes, threw up in quite, threw a, up totally. quite a violent and projectile manner. Yeah, yeah, and two points about that particular occasion that uh, people don't know is that when he threw up, and it went on for ages... It just was like a fire yeah. hose. And he ch- tried to turn away from the camera, and it just sort of arced across the beautiful leather bookshelf yeah. at the back. And what wasn't there, more than likely, was what happened on the night itself, because I threw to a commercial, and the commercial was on tape, and it was Rosemary Margin. So the bloke throws up all over the place and starts to apologise. I don't know what to say, so I throw to the commercial, and Rosemary says, Life can be beautiful, you know, and most important... <laughs> But, but uh, number, you say you lost your job over that. I lost. I, I was under contract, but I lost that show. Uh, and uh, the other thing that. Uh, but how is that your fault? A bloke's thrown up. Oh well, you know, bad taste, and okay. uh, you know, I should have realised that uh, that it shouldn't have been done. But the bloke who threw up in the commercial break, while Rosemary is saying, you know, something about a retirement village or something. Uh, he said, look, uh, he said, I'm really sorry about this, you know. He said, I, I, he said, I was as right as right. He said, I had a trial run at, uh, at, uh, at tea time. He said, I got, I got three bottles down. And I said, you stupid fool, that's why you threw up. <laughs> but we, we used to show that bit of footage to the audience of The Late Show yeah, like yeah. a minute before it went to air every week. Mm-hmm. And it just it, we would have trouble uh, topping that bit of footage for the following hour. Yeah. But what I used to s- slow the footage down and show people was, the bloke is, it's the most volcanic vomit you've ever seen. But Bert just steps in and acts as if it's not going on. That's right. To the point where you almost think, maybe I didn't see that. Because Bert's not reacting at all. Yeah. It's a fantastic bit of footage. I was reacting, but the sort of reaction I was having wasn't showing. Uh, 
<laughs> well, I then showed that bit of footage on the first episode of the Mick Malloy show, yes, and yeah. the controversy started all over again yeah. because the next on the Monday was well, it was a festival of vomiting on Mick Malloy. Yeah, disgraceful, <laughs> disgraceful. But the poor bloke, I mean, he, that was his moment of, uh, of of fame and the whole thing. And I, I think the prize was something like I don't know, ten dollars or or something. So he's totally and utterly made up. Total idiot of himself on uh, national television, but then for him to say, "I'm sorry, it was right, it's right, it's right. I'm going to try the two or three bottles, and everything stayed down." You know, <laughs> ten dollars of cold hard cash. Uh, <laughs> That's more than we're offering at Talkback Mountain. <laughs> There have been a lot of dodgy books about the history of Australian TV over the years, and you'll see them, you know, in the bin at Coles yeah, for six ninety nine. This one's a beauty. Fifty years of television in Australia, edited by Nick Place and Michael Roberts, and he's, they've done their homework. They've gone through, and I'm having a look. But he, you, he, of course, your first uh, appearance on TV, I assume, was the Late Show. Yeah, it was. Yeah, on uh, on Channel Seven, Noel Ferrier had compared the show for the first couple of months. Oh, I see. And then he left. Right. And uh, I, I was brought in as an announcer, and then. One Tuesday morning, I can recall, my mum waking me at home and saying, oh, isn't it wonderful? I said, what? Isn't what wonderful? She said, you're doing the late show tonight. No one had told me. Oh, really? So I jumped up and started to prepare the ad libs. Mum's calling in. There's you uh, dressed as Frank Sinatra. <coughs> and <coughs> what? Oh, oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear me. The go. memories flood back. Yeah, yeah lovely. <laughs> You've got a hat on. Yes. And what about this over here? Now, talk about controversy. Keep in mind, this is from, oh, is this 1963? 1958. Uh, oh, look, I, I'm hoping, Bert, that enough years have gone by that you won't mind discussing this. It says that you have been involved, this is in 1958, you have been involved in scandalous gossip, talk of a love triangle between Bert, his regular late show guest and model of the year, Arlene Andrewatha, and Collingwood footballer Murray Widehart, yeah. or Weidman, sorry. Yeah, well, as soon as that came out in the, the press, uh, Murray was, uh, in the old language, about seven feet tall, and uh, apart from being a wonderful footballer, captain yes. of Collingwood, I know that because of your yeah, interest in the history of football. Yeah, I love Collingwood. Yeah. And uh, also knew how to look after himself, so I hid from him for about uh, two or three weeks. But in a AFL... Scantily clad model love triangle. Yeah. Fantastic. Wild. Yeah, the memories flood back once again. I think we're going to get people to call in, although the program is almost over. Uh, got some time. Have we got time enough for this? Not as the result of talking about that bloke throwing up, is it? <laughs> Probably yeah. is. We've always got time for Bert. Okay, we want people to call up and just ask anything to Bert Newton. Scandals, controversies, rumours from the world of television. Anything you want to talk about, Bert is available. He'll broach any subject, will you not, Bert? Oh, indeed, and I'll give you... $100 value for only $27.95. <laughs> Call now, one triple three five three. That's stuck in the middle with you, Steelers Wheel. That song actually written about Billy Connolly. That's right. Mm. Um, Jerry Rafferty and Joe Egan. There you go. Important information. That's oh, what this program's about, Bert. I knew that. <laughs> Bert's sitting in with us for Talkback Mountain. <laughs> The subject of today's climb is simply television, and Bert is here to offer expert comments on anything you want to talk about. Who's going first, Mr. Marsland? Uh, Ian, are you there? Yes, I am. 
Great. Go ahead. What's your question for Bert? Uh, Bert, listen. My brother tells me this time it was one on your good. Was it Good Morning Australia that yeah. you did? Yes. He uh, he watched. You had a. Uh, an, it was an Asian lady who was a cooking. The co- your cooking guru. Yeah. Uh, what was her name? Um, Elizabeth Chong. Okay. Elizabeth made a bit of a crack about about um, you being a round eye. <laughs> Oh, right? that's right. Because, yeah, and you took you sort of took a, he he tells me this. He said you you kind of went and backed up you backed up a bit. And said, oh, that's that's hardly uh, you know all that. And then she got you to toss a salad, and she and he said it's one of the best um, off the cuff ad libs that he ever heard. He, you said that you're one of the best round eyed tossers in the business, <laughs> and to this day he kills himself laughing just thinking about it. And I just wanted to do you remember that line? Yeah, I certainly do. Um, <laughs> it, it, how's your brother going? Uh, he's he's uh, still watching the show apparently. Yes, he, yeah. Right. Even though it's not on. It's, exactly. It's really sad. <laughs> He's got them all on tape. Yeah. Uh, actually, Elizabeth started off by saying that, uh, uh, you know, she always wanted to have round eyes. And, I mean, in 2004 or whatever it was, it wasn't really the subject of the day. Not but um, lovely lady. And we got out of it anyway. And that's yeah. uh, everything. Oh, that's one of his most favourite moments on telly. The well, other g- thing, one other best. thing, quickly, Bert, was the, um, the duet you sang with Graham on the Logies was one of the best bits of television I think I've ever seen. So I, I congratulate you. I, I love your work. I must admit, I am an ardent fan. Oh, that, that's nice of you. I've, I've got to say that uh, doing that piece with Graham, it wasn't my idea, and I, I thought about it for a fair while because uh, knowing Graham's tastes and, uh, mm. and Graham's attitude to a whole range of things, I wanted to make sure in my mind... It was that, kosher. Uh, yeah, that was kosher. And... Uh, from a, a professional point of view, it's probably one of the most difficult things. I've, from a personal point of view, it was very difficult yeah. for emotional reasons. But because the the tempo and the music was already on tape, established yeah. on the on the on the night that Graham and I originally did it, there was no room for error. Because if I dropped a word or dropped a a bar or whatever, the band couldn't help me because it was already taped. You know, thirty years ago. And what sort of technology are they using down there that they can get rid of your vocals from the original and still keep Graham's. Yeah, How does that work? Well, I I do know, but I think it's just a little above you, oh, okay. Tony. Sorry about that. Because we've just got a few ideas for the Nickelback songs. And <laughs> yeah. if, we could, if we could get whatever technology you're using, oh, we could make very good use of it yeah. on this program. Thank you very much, Ian. Who's going next, Richard? Uh, let's say hello to... Okay, Patty. Hi, Patty. Are you there? Hi, hiya, Patty. Hello. Oh, hello there. How are you? Are you a first-time caller, Patty? <laughs> I am a first-time caller, but I was just listening to this Bert real, Newton, Patty. and to be honest with you, I was very interested in this love triangle <laughs> that um, I've not heard about before, yeah. and I was just going to ask him, um, are there any illegitimate children anywhere? Because Lauren's looking for an extra bridesmaid, so I thought, you never know, there might be one hanging around somewhere. Well, there could be. Yeah, could be. <laughs> Hey, listen, by the way, you've stepped up. Welcome to FM Radio, isn't it? I know. Oh, this is the big time, isn't it? It certainly is. Uh, The one thing about that love triangle, which I suppose it's open confession day to day, uh, yeah, it was Arlene Andrewatha and it was uh, Murray Weedham and the the Collingwood captain, but there's worse to come. Oh, what? It was me and Murray. (laughs) I hear the Natural Seven were involved. Yes. It It was a love tetrahedron. Well, you know, when, when I first started going out with Bert, I was the president of the old girls. That was Bert's old girlfriends. And I tell you what, there were many of them. I think I was the youngest, and I think I was one of the few that hadn't been married before. So yeah. there you go. And also, I've, I've got to point out, still the only one living. <laughs> <laughs> so the reunion won't be happening. Okay, well, look, it's sounding very nice, and I agree with that, you know, when you're talking about 
Bert doing the Graham tribute. I didn't think actually on the Logies there was enough made of that because I thought, think that was the highlight of the Logies. I thought that was a wonderful moment. And it probably will never be recaptured again, but for the time it was just fabulous. Oh, and fantastic. Uh, I was very proud of him that night. Thanks. But I'm dying to hear more about these love triangles and all the goss. Well, well <laughs> let me tell you now, I'll, before I leave this morning, I'll, I'll confess again to you. Well, let me ring Amanda Vanstone first up and see if she's willing to talk about it. <laughs> oh, that's a very disturbing triangle. Goodbye, I'm going. See Thanks, you later. Patty. Oh, that's a. We can't leave the listeners with that image. That's not a triangle. That's a rhombus. <laughs> have we got time for one? I know we haven't, but let's just sneak one through. Uh, hello, Jason. Hi. Uh, go ahead. Uh, What's your question for Bert? I've got a follow-up story to the guy throwing up on TV in the early seventies. Of course, you have. Let's the guy hear it. was actually at Young and Jackson celebrating the birth of his first boy and had been drinking for about 12 hours and was plucked out of Young and Jackson's and asked if he wanted to be on TV. Is that true, that exact bloke? Yeah, that's true. And um, my friend had actually heard all these stories about uh, this footage that had never come to air and a lot of his father's friends had told him how he'd thrown up on TV and we'd never actually seen it. Oh, and you... then, uh, we were sitting there watching the Mick Malloy show. <laughs> oh, you were the uh, one. He came on and he said, that's my dad. Mm. <laughs> Fantastic. We got to see it after 30-odd years. See, right. there's a beautiful, moving family moment that wasn't yeah. reported during the Mick Malloy show controversy. Someone benefited from that spew. Yeah, and Absolutely. lovely for the grandchildren, too. <laughs> so that's, that's the story behind it, and that's why he was cut, and... Uh, it's like a family heirloom now, that, that little bit of footage, and he finally got to see it. Well, oh, that's lovely. Well, I understand Kerry did demand that it be destroyed in much the way that he demanded that Doug Mulroy program be ripped that's off the right. air. Yeah, exactly. Just at the moment that a young child reached for a kangaroo's penis. That's what happened, Bert. I'm sorry. <laughs> I remember that's exactly what happened. Is it time for us to go, Bert? Thanks for coming in and doing this. Oh, thank you, Tony, and thank you, Richard. It's been a pleasure to be with you. You wouldn't want to miss Bert's family feud. That's uh, on a weeknight on, uh, well, every weeknight on Channel 9 at 5.30 and I have a very argumentative uh, controversial family Bert and I've decided that Bert's family feud is really the way we're going to resolve all our deep-seated family issues so can we come in and sort that out with you? Certainly and you'll be seen 5.30 across the eastern seaboard with the exception of Brisbane which is running out at 5 o'clock so I think the city closes at 6. Oh, it's great to hear some professionalism on the program. Uh, thanks for coming in. Thanks to everyone who called up. Thank you Patty and I think our key phrase today was round-eyed tosser. <laughs> And we'll be back tomorrow with comedian Craig Eagle. And it's all thanks to our good friend, Mrs. Olivia Buckley of Cherry Brook.